Just something like a disclaimer to our listeners is uh, it's raining outside. If you can hear it, it's on purpose and it's um, ASMR. Okay. Uh, a disclaimer to the listener is I'm going, I've really been going through it for the last 27 years. So if I say anything dumb, it's on purpose. <laughs> it's a defense mechanism. Yeah, I don't want you to get too close. Okay, so what's the news on you this week, Jenny? What is the haps? Well, I just got back from Ohio. Went to hang out with my dad's side of the family this weekend. What part of Ohio? Columbus. The city of cock and ball torture. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was just... um, I was going to say like the city of love or something, but then just inspiration (laughs) came over me, I guess. Well, I hated it. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) There was... There's this tweet online of like a screenshot of somebody's conversation on grinder and uh-huh. somebody's like do you do cbt and they're like the other person's like cognitive behavioral therapy and then the other one's like no cock and ball torture <laughs> <laughs> i'm just having flashbacks to the hinge profile of that dude who only had one actual picture of his face and then a picture of like his pants Remember? And they were unbuttoned a little. And then a picture of his, like, sex toys. Yeah, that was gross. Oh, and the very first picture, he's wearing, like, a mask. Like, a masquerade mask. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But it's just zoomed in on his eyes. That was (laughs) very sensual. Yeah, I mean, it was really hard to say no to that profile. I bet it was. Full offense, but you know that guy is, like, really into anime porn, you know? First of all, that's called hentai, (laughs) ignoramus. But also, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you. What's the hot stuff to do in Columbus? Great question. This may come as a shock to you, knowing me and my personality and what I like to do, but my dad's side of the family just likes to watch movies and eat food and talk (laughs) that's sick those are my favorite things to do mine too like when i still lived in salt lake i just came to your house probably every day of the week and we would talk and watch movies and eat food so and when when you didn't come over to my house i would come over to your house and true lay around and eat and watch tv A friendship truly forged in the fires of watching TV and eating food. Hell yeah. Remember when you fell asleep and you woke up and I was watching Dinosaurs, the sitcom from the 90s? (laughs) Yes. We were watching something that I wanted to watch and I fell asleep and I'm pretty sure it was maybe for five or ten minutes. It's not like it was hours. (laughs) And I just woke up and blaring so loud was that Dinosaurs 90s tv show it was jarring is all i'm saying so that's really all that's up with me we went to like a farmer's market and we had a cookout and ate corn you know big corn my family are big believers in big corn Ooh, is it like big pharma 
Exactly like that. My aunt and uncle really, really, really were disappointed in my Western film knowledge. (laughs) So we watched this Western from 1985 called Silverado, and it has Kevin Klein, Kevin Costner, Jeff Goldblum, Danny Glover. I can't believe you hit all the Kevins in one movie. So many Kevins. At least two Kevins and probably more. There was probably at least a few Kevins on the crew, too, if you think about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Speaking of two Kevins, you know how I play that app BitLife because of Lucas, the YouTuber? Yeah. In that app, you basically just, like, are, you live a life and you just make all these moves. Like, you go to college and get a job and hook up with people in this fake life. And one of the things you can do is go to the horse races and bet on the races. And every few races, there's always this horse named Two Kevins. (laughs) That's the horse's name. (laughs) I love that. I love it, too. And then there's also, like, Pony Soprano. I think Two Kevins is more clever than Pony Soprano. I really like Two Kevins. I always bet on Two Kevins when Two Kevins is in the race. (laughs) <laughs> I, I really like that does he have like a multiple personality disorder probably the, inside each of us lives two kevins wow i feel like we just wrote a whole tv show yeah we sh- i'll we'll talk after this show is over i'll see yeah, you we at, will at the rap party <laughs> tm 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 nobody steal that idea <laughs> okay well the reason we've gathered here today to podcast is because I wanted to f- tell you about Song of the South. Which I knew nothing about until you told me about it. Texted you at like 1 in the morning and was like, have you seen it? I think maybe what will set, set this podcast episode apart from all the others is that I'm going to talk about a movie that I've never seen. <laughs> Were you able to find a full version of it online? I didn't even try because I know... Well, first of all, because I love to do the bare minimum is the first reason. Same. And I respect that about Uh, you. Yeah. And then also, I don't know. It's just like, I'm pretty sure I saw it in childhood because I can remember watching it in my mom's friend's basement and she'd like have us eat ginger snaps. Or actually, they would probably like hang out or something and I'd just like eat ginger snaps and watch racist Disney movies. Because I can, I can distinctly remember Zippity-Doo-Dah, the musical number from then. I mean, I remember Br'er Rabbit, and I don't know if that's because there are, like, separate stories about Br'er Rabbit that I read, or if I also watched this as a kid. It's also possible that you know what Br'er Rabbit is because of the Disney, the Disneyland ride Splash Mountain. I know that Splash Mountain is based on, like, one of the stories that's told in Song of the South, but they took out some of the racist stuff. I actually hate that ride. Uh, Let me be upfront. I like it. I'm going to be upfront and say I like that ride. (laughs) That's okay. We're just, we're two opposing Kevins. And that's fine. But I will say that if it was a competition between Splash Mountain and this ride called Escape from Pompeii at Busch Gardens, which is an amusement park in Virginia, then Escape from Pompeii would win. Oh, okay. Well, let me say if I had to go between Splash Mountain and um, 
cannibal at Lagoon in Utah. Since mm-hmm. we're pulling in random uh, <laughs> rides, I would Literally say Literally whatever wins. ride we want, <laughs> cannibal wins. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if we want to get to down to brass tacks, Song of the South came out in 1946. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a live action movie. People think it's animated a lot because there are portions of it that are animated. Yeah. So it's been banned because... It is kind of like a shameful secret of Disney's because it's per- like it's perceived as racist. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, I don't remember a lot about it, and I don't doubt that it's racist. I just think it's very interesting that there's like a movie that is verboten. Yeah, that means forbidden in German. In case you're <laughs> dumb. So this came out in 1946. It's based on the collection of Uncle Remus story, stories by Joel Chandler Harris. Um, he wrote them in the 1800s. Walt Disney wanted to adapt one of his stories because he was like a a fan of his. Um, well, I just want to inter- interject and say that Joel Chandler Harris is white. Yes, and he, he is. And he wrote these stories about this like kind of caricature of a black man named uncle remus so already it's a little bit problematic yeah yes so also i want to say before we start that so splash mountain is based on this but it didn't come out this movie came out in 1946 splash mountain didn't even open until 1989 So if there's any, like, racist elements of it that they figured out between that time and they still put it in that... I I haven't been on it in so long, I can't remember a lot about it. I wish I... I was gonna say I should have gone to Disneyland as research, you know? We really should have. In 1986 was when they locked it in the vault and they have never released it again. So you said Splash Mountain was 89? Yeah. That's so interesting. They locked it in the vault in 86, but they were like, oh, what a shame. We did some cool animation with that bunny, so then they made Splash Mountain. Yeah, I also, a very fun piece of trivia is that Splash Mountain um, is named for the Tom Hanks movie where Daryl Hannah is a mermaid. Splash? Yeah, that, yes. That's what it's named for? Yeah, I mean... Not, like, officially, because it's not themed that, obviously, but, like, that's where it came from. Wow. Like, you don't really get that soaked when you go on it, right? No, not really. My source for this, I just want to source it in case anyone thinks I'm making stuff up. Mm -hmm. I'm not. (laughs) It was originally going to be called Zippity River Run. So that makes a lot more sense. Um, in terms of, like, referring to Song of the South, because the famous Song of the South song is Zippity-Doo-Dah. Former CEO Michael Eisner thought naming the ride Splash Mountain would be a great promotion for the movie Splash. So Splash came out in 1984, and it is technically a Disney movie. Tom Hanks was way hot in the 80s. Ugh, I agree. Oh, I I forgot that you were, like, really into Tom Hanks. We should... Oh, I was going to say we should watch that movie, but you live far away. <laughs> it's fine. I don't need to watch movies with you. 
Yeah, you do. You need to to uh, live. How do I live without you? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the words. To how that do shit. I breathe without you? <laughs> I'm sorry that I second guessed your facts. I believe you. I just think it's so weird that they were like, let's name it after this movie that came out <laughs> four years ago. <laughs> Also, has any, do you think anyone's ever, like, made that connection organically? They're, like, waiting in, well, I guess that makes sense. Like, if you're waiting in line and you're, like, oh, yeah, there's that movie with Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks. Uh, I haven't watched that in 20 years. Maybe I'll go watch it. It's not like the Splash Mountain ride has an animatronic Tom Hanks or Daryl Hannah or even mermaids. So, weird. In conclusion, I love Tom Hanks a lot. And we should do an episode about him sometime. So we're just teasing the fans that that may vaguely happen sometime. Um, I'm pretty <laughs> sure it will, knowing your ass. Yeah, and also knowing your ass, we're going to do an episode on Brendan Fraser. Am I right? Hell yeah. I still haven't read that long article about, like, whatever happened to make him stop acting for a while. <gasps> Wait, I haven't read that either. Oh, there's like several people that have brought it up to me and I've been like, no, I haven't read it. I'm fake. I was at my brother and sister-in-law's house. I was helping my sister-in-law like clean up after dinner and stuff. And then I went into the living room to just watch whatever her siblings were watching. And they were watching Inkheart, which I had never seen, but obviously stars Brendan Fraser. But it's just really corny and, like, very low production value. And right as I am about to be like, wow, this is so bad, my sister-in-law's brother is like, yeah, they don't make movies like this anymore. Like, in reverence. The budget was $60 million. They probably paid. They probably paid Brendan $59 million to be in it, and then the they $1 million the was... million on making it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it was so funny that I was like, wow, this is so shitty. And I was about to say that. And he was like, wow, they just don't make them like this anymore. I wonder if people are going to get mad that we're this off topic this long. We'll and see. And by people, I mean our, our 12 loyal f- listeners. I love our 12 loyal listeners. Thanks for for staying with us. You can Venmo each of us $12. <laughs> Actually, yeah, if you want to Venmo us, my Venmo is at Jennifer-Anstead. So that's A-N-S-T-E-D. Thank you in advance for your contributions. (laughs) To the arts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this, back to the task at hand. I've said what year it comes out eight times. So if you didn't hear it then, then you're screwed. These are we literally will not say it again. I'll never say that word that year again in my for the rest of my (laughs) life, even though it's the same year Dolly Parton was born. (sighs) Oh, yeah. But so in 1939 is when Walt Disney began negotiating with Joel Chandler Harris's family to get the rights to start making it. And then in 1944 was when they started. And it, it premiered in November of 1946. The premiere was when theaters were segregated. So James Baskett, like the main guy, didn't even get to go to 
the premiere. I can't even believe that. I mean, I can believe it, but what the hell? Right? So it's about this seven-year-old kid, and he's played by Bobby Driscoll. And that's mm-hmm. the same kid who did the voice for Peter Pan. Oh. And if we're going to look into his story, that actor died when he was 31. What? Yeah. I think he was addicted to drugs. Shit, that makes me feel so sad. About three weeks after his 31st birthday, two little boys playing in a deserted East Village tenement at 371 East 10th Street found his body lying on a cot with two empty beer bottles and religious pamphlets scattered on the ground. Oh my gosh, Bobby. Yeah, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. Allison, I'm so sad. I don't, I think it's because he plays Peter Pan and Peter Pan is about like being a kid forever and not growing up and not having your life go to shit with all the stuff that adulthood brings and this straight up peter pan like got addicted to drugs and died at 31 yeah so it was like an early it was heart failure because his arteries had started to harden due to long-time drug abuse oh that makes me really sad sad for bobby i agree that's really sad however what's also really sad is james basket the guy i just talked about that couldn't go to the premiere he died at age 44. Huh? Two two years after Song of the South came out. When when he was filming Song of the South, he was already in poor health due to diabetes, and he had a, a heart attack, and his health continued to decline. He got an honorary Oscar, though. He won the 1947... Why was it honorary? Oh, Academy Honorary Award. I don't know what that means. It says, extraordinary distinction in lifetime achievement, exceptional contributions to the state of motion picture arts and sciences, or for outstanding service to the Academy. Hmm. So since 2009, the honorary award, award has been presented at the annual Governor's, Ball, Governor's Awards rather than the Academy Awards. Hmm. If that tells you anything. So it's not like a traditional, it's not like Leo receiving his Academy Award. Finally. Yeah. Leo's never won the Super Bowl, though. <laughs> he has won the heart of a lot of really, really young women, though. Yeah. If As soon as you're over 25, he doesn't, he can't even see you. You don't register in his eyes. <laughs> it's like on Black Mirror when uh, John Hamm gets, like, blocked from society. And so he can't or i can't remember if he can't see them or they can't see him but it's like a blob of a human walking around i know i reference 30 rock every episode but (laughs) basically there's a part where jenna maroney walks up to liz and she's talking to an ugly guy and she just like literally doesn't see him (laughs) (laughs) remember when she went on a sexual walkabout yeah And one of the things on her bucket list was to Yoko a band. And so she, like, dates a member of this kid's band called the Woggles. And they just sing, like, children's songs, like Teletubby shit. And she tries to break them up. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Did you know two members of the Wiggles in real life were married? To each other? Yeah. Oh. Isn't that a happy story? Because I think that's really sweet, but I'm just waiting for you to be like, and then they died at 41. (laughs) They're divorced now. (laughs) Fuck. 
You can't tell me anything good if it's going to end in child stars dying or people divorcing, okay? Okay, Jenny, no st- <laughs> no child stars have ever died. I'm feeling and no really one's sensitive ever gotten right divorced. now. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Oof. All right. Sorry I'm being really weirdly emotional about people I have no connection to at all. Yeah, can all you, right. like, picture any of these people in your mind right now, pal? Only Uncle Remus, but also, yes, because I looked up Bobby Driscoll and I'm looking at a picture of him right now. <laughs> He's so cute. Look at him when As he was it- so little and played Peter Pan. He had three kids by the time he passed away, so, like, he had a full life. Yeah, I mean, the legacy lived on. I mean, okay, I guess having a full life is a subjective. Absolutely. I mean, having kids doesn't mean your life is full, but we can assume or at least hope that there was some fulfillment there. He looks so much like cartoon Peter Pan. Okay. Oh, he kind of does. I bet they modeled Peter Pan after him. They used to do what that the a lot back hell, then. Hell, Bobby. Wow. He'll never grow up. We've been recording for 40 minutes and I haven't even, like, gotten anywhere. <laughs> but it ends up being fine. And I think we're funny as hell. So don't stress. Don't stress. Don't stress. Don't stress. You deserve nothing but the best. Can you name that artist? Oh, I cannot. I'm Googling it. Don't tell me. Jesse McCartney? <laughs> so, the guy who wrote it was a racial recon- re- reconciliation activist, writer, and journalist of the Reconstruction Era. Okay, so the Reconstruction Era was 1863 to 1877, and it is after the Civil War. Basically, right after the war ended and they abolished slavery, and they're, like, trying to rebuild the country, right? Yeah. So, the film is set on a plantation in the southern United States in Georgia, kind of away from Atlanta. There are kids, or there's a mom, and then there's a kid who's played by Bobby Driscoll, and he's like the main guy. In the movie, his name is Johnny, and he's seven. He believes he's going to be on vacation at his grandmother's plantation with his parents, And then they arrive, and the parents are like, we're living apart. The dad returned to Atlanta to continue his editorship in the city's newspaper. So he was like a journalist as well. Johnny was sad because his parents are not living together anymore. And he's distraught, so he tries to leave and go to Atlanta to go find his dad. So he he secretly sets off in the night to go to Atlanta with a a bindle, which is like the old-fashioned hobo thing where it's like tied to a stick with a little... With a handkerchief, yeah. Yeah. Can I come visit you and I'll bring only a bindle? Yeah, please. That'll be so cute. And I'll LARP like I'm Johnny. I agree. And you can like whistle while you're walking down the street. Yeah, and I'll be wearing suspenders. And, like, the hand that's not holding the, what's it called? We'll be holding four cigarettes to make one big yeah. super cigarette. Yeah, that's, I knew <laughs> you were going there. The hand that's not holding your little handkerchief shit is going to be um, blasting, like, four cigs and a cigar. 
It's going to be one cigar surrounded by six cigarettes to make a flower. <laughs> so it's like an homage to chewing on a weed, but it's just like cigarettes instead. Oh my gosh. This We've got to include this arc in our TV show we're coming out with called Two Kevins. <laughs> Well, we've just created the first Kevin, so we'll figure out the second Kevin organically. Okay, so when he's leaving the plantation, he hears Uncle Remus telling a story of Briar Rabbit. And by that time, the word had gotten out around the plantation that he was gone, and so everyone was looking for him. I guess at plantations, it was like generations of slaves would, like, raise you. Everyone Mm -hmm. around would know your deal i mean i didn't grow up on a plantation sorry i keep burping i'm a human i'm Jenny. only human and i burp when i drink coke oh i love this song <laughs> it's so good anyway so he, he's attracted to uncle remus's storytelling so he goes in and listens to them everyone knew he was missing And then Uncle Remus takes him back to his cabin that he lives in on the plantation. By the way, Uncle Remus is not a slave. Correct. Yeah, since this was the Reconstruction era. And then he, when when they're at the cabin the first time, he starts telling him Briar Rabbit earns a dollar a minute is the first folktale, the one by the Harris guy. And then in the story, Briar Rabbit attempts to run away from the home only to change his mind after an encounter with Briar Fox and Briar Bear. These are spelled like B-R apostrophe E-R. Yeah, so I think it's short for brother. So I think it's supposed to be Briar Rabbit. I can't read. I actually don't believe in reading, so. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. <laughs> What's pretty cool? dumb concept. Kids don't read anything, just smoke giant flower-shaped cigarettes. <laughs> if you can help it. So, Johnny takes the advice, because the story gives him some goddamn-ass advice. And then he leaves, and then he lets Uncle Remus take him back to his mother. My retelling of all these is like, shit. It's hard because neither of us have seen it. I've watched a couple of clips, but I don't really know anything about it either. (laughs) Well, my most vivid memory is like, I know that there's a threat to drown a puppy in it. And so I can remember as a child being like, oh, this is really upsetting because I am not a serial killer. So I didn't want a puppy to be drowned. There's this other girl who lives on the around them. Um, Her name's Ginny. And she's a poor mm. white girl. And she has Does two she brothers. Does she have red hair? And is she in love with Harry Potter? Yeah. Okay, go on. Holy shit, Uncle Remus? Okay, J.K. Rowling was a big fan of Song of the South. That's canon. <laughs> I was gonna say this is a prequel. Wow. Like, all those, all those animals are singing. Can't animals sing in the Harry Potter universe? Oh, I don't think so. Don't they have, like, sexy curves? What the hell are you talking about? Are you talking about Cats? The trailer for Cats? 
<laughs> Hold on. Did Andrew Lloyd Webber write Harry Potter? Oh my gosh. I give up. <laughs> and put sexy curves on the the <laughs> animals. Think if there's a crossover between the cats from the cats trailer and Harry Potter. What if there were like sexy emotional cats in Harry Potter? <laughs> You should text that to somebody with no context. What if there were sexy cats with human traits? I think that'll be the next my next opener on a dating app. If I find a cutie oh, yeah. with a booty, I'm going to say that to him and see how he replies, you know? <laughs> I was talking about the first time he, like, sees Uncle Remus. That's when he's trying to get away with his bindle. That's when he sees Uncle Remus, and Uncle Remus co- tells him the story of Briar Fox and or Brer Fox and Brer Bear, which is short for brother, which is another reason that this is offensive, like the vernacular that they use. I've watched clips of the movie, and Brer Rabbit, as we know, is a character written by that white dude in the 1800s, but about like a character of a black man. And I think Br'er Rabbit, the character, also has, like, these sort of caricature traits of a black man. And in the movie Song of the South, which I watched a clip of, you hear um, Br'er Rabbit talking, and he's voiced by a black man, but he his dialogue is very, like, over-the-top and, like, mm, kind of, like, offensive caricature-y dialogue, in my opinion. I'm just, like, looking up stuff. He's, like, kind of based on some African folklore and stuff. Yeah, I was looking at that, too. I'm reading this thing about Br'er Rabbit, the character, and it says, In his American incarnation, Br'er Rabbit represented the enslaved Africans who used their wits to overcome adversity and to exact revenge on their adversaries, the white slave owners. Oh, God. So, but here's the thing. That's one of the biggest problems with Song of the South. It's, so you're making this movie that takes place during the Reconstruction era. So literally, slavery has just ended. So we know from history that it wasn't just like a cakewalk for black people after that. And it's presented as a cakewalk. Like, it's just black people, like working and serving white people but seemingly having no issue with it and there's no sense of racial tension and you have this rabbit that's supposed to be like a representation of of the these enslaved people like playing tricks on their white slave owners but in this movie he's just like just this rabbit that lives in a world where racism doesn't even exist. I don't know. It just seems like they whitewash a lot of stuff. And so it's kind of offensive in what they're leaving out. Well, I think of the perspective of the Harris guy who wrote it. Sorry, I can never remember his first two names. He has a bunch of names. Joel Um, Chandler Harris. Yeah, Joel Chandler Harris. Think of being, it's like this really um, old like stuff that's the perspective of slaves in South Africa and you're like I'm going to take those characters and put them in my story. Yeah. 
that's a very strange move in my opinion exactly it's very strange it there's already like problematic elements to these stories but they are written in the 1800s like during that period and like kind of about this racial tension that he is seeing if not experiencing because he's white but like then taking those characters in the 1940s and just being like everything's easy peasy zippity doodah everybody (laughs) it's all good because uncle remus loves his life my oh my what a wonderful day everything is totally fine (laughs) Back to the summary of the movie that I I technically have seen but don't remember any of besides the song and the <laughs> dog thing. So he makes friends with a young black boy named Toby who lives on the plantation and then the aforementioned Ginny. And then Ginny gives Johnny a puppy after her two other brothers uh, threaten to drown it. So that's why Ooh. that's the thing I can remember. And also her yeah. older brothers are psychos if you can't tell. So Johnny's mother refuses to let the, him take care of the puppy, so he takes it to Uncle Remus. Um, and then Uncle Remus tells them the fable of Bri- Br'er Rabbit and the Tar Baby. Oof. Tar Baby, I can you can tell that's a problematic thing yeah. based on the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the story stresses that people shouldn't get involved with something they have no business with in the first place. So this whole thing is like Johnny keeps getting taught lessons by the by Uncle Remus through these stories. Johnny hates the advice of how Br'er Rabbit used reverse psychology on Br'er Fox and begs the Favors brothers to not tell their mother about the dog. The reverse psychology works and the boys go speak with their mother and then they get spanked and realize that Johnny had fooled them. Then they, they tell Johnny's mom about the dog. And she, she becomes upset that Johnny and Uncle Remus kept the dog despite her order, even though Uncle Remus doesn't know the order. Hold on, there's a, there's a thick with 2C spider in the corner. Ew. Holy shit, he's huge! Jenny, don't reply because I can't hear you, but it's, it's not even a spider. It's like a bug that looks like a big fat-ass leaf. It's like green! <laughs> Yeah, is it a leaf bug? I don't know. I'm sending you a picture of a leaf bug, and I want you to tell me if that's what it is, do you think? Could you hear- did you hear me yelling about it? (laughs) Yeah, I could, and I'm really glad that I could. (laughs) Is that what you saw? No, I effing wish. If that were here, I'd freaking worship it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry (laughs) that you didn't see a cute leaf bug, but you just saw- leafy ass spider looking thing (laughs) a thick leafy bitch (laughs) (laughs) get that thick leafy bitch out of here we're trying to record okay so we were talking about the the fable of the tar of brer rabbit and the tar baby so brer fox constructs a doll out of a lump of tar and dresses it with some clothes which is so weird like, uh-huh. Br'er Fox, you're f- a freak ass. Also, how did he do it without getting stuck in the tar, but whatever. 
Exactly, exactly. So Br'er Rabbit comes along, he addresses the tar baby amiably, but gets no response. And then he gets offended by the lack of manners of this baby. Like, I hate it when babies don't respect me too. And then he punches the baby and it becomes stuck because it's tar. The more he uh, kicks and punches the baby out of rage, the more he gets stuck. Now that he's stuck, Br'er Fox ponders how to dispose of him. The helpless but cunning Br'er Rabbit pleads, Do anything you want with me. Roast me, hang me, skin me, drown me, but please, Br'er Fox, don't fling me in that briar patch. This is a direct quote. Prompting the sadistic Br'er Fox to do exactly that because he gullibly believes it will inflict the maximum pain on Br'er Rabbit. As rabbits are at home in thickets, Br'er Rabbit gets thrown into the briar patch and escapes because Br'er Fox is a dumb bitch. <laughs> Actually, also, so is Br'er Rabbit. Like, you're like, oh, this baby's disrespecting me. Yeah, I'm so mad at this baby for not talking to me that I'm going to punch it in the face. Has no fucking motor skills, but it needs Come on, to... Come Rabbit. You're better than that. Yeah. So the problem with Tar Baby is officially it is not a racist story but it is a racist story like this story is written by a white a white man about a little black lump of tar with clothes on called a tar baby the term's provenance rests in african folklore some americans consider tar baby to be a pejorative term for african americans the Oxford English Dictionary defines tar baby as a difficult problem which is only aggravated by pro- by attempts to solve it. But the o- online subscription-only version adds a second definition. The second definition is a derogatory term for black or a Maori in New Zealand. Ugh. Holy shit. Wikipedia is like t- stealing content from... Uh, the subscription only Oxford English Dictionary, first of all. <laughs> this is exclusive content. Yeah, so whether or not it was originally that, it's definitely a pejorative term for black people. And yeah, so dog. to put that story in a movie that's already, like, very racially problematic is not cool. I'm sure that the climate was different back in 1848 to 1908 or whatever it's still racist but i'm just saying i'm sure it was i'm using it for value Um, teaching good values yeah obviously times change and as we get more information and learn how to be more respectful of people there are things that we just need to stop doing now that tar baby whether or not it started out that way has evolved into a racial slur and it's a problematic story we shouldn't use it anymore just find a different metaphor you know oh because a bunch of politicians has used have used the tar baby metaphor yeah it's just such a bad idea (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would assume that something that's, like, banned from being, like, widely released, like, I probably wouldn't reference anything from that if I were a politician. 
Yeah. So back to the storyline of the actual movie. I just want to mm-hmm. make sure that people... Uh, also, for the record, I've asked people if they've seen it, and everyone who's seen it is like, oh, it's so long and boring. Where we last left off, the mom finds out that Uncle Remus has the dog, and she's mad because she told Johnny he couldn't have the dog, even though Uncle Remus didn't know this. Uh-huh. But um, So she instructs Uncle Remus to not tell any more stories to Johnny. Oh. Which is sad because Johnny needs Uncle Remus from what I can tell. He seems like a big dumb bitch without his like <laughs> guidance. So, <laughs> But further on in the story, his birthday arrives and he picks up Ginny to take her to his party. And on the way there, her two psychopath brothers push her into a mud pot- puddle and it, it ruins her dress and it was like a nice dress and she's so keep in mind she's dirt poor mm-hmm. and so johnny's mad and he starts she's like she can't go to the party because her dress is ruined because i don't know what the standards of dress are back then but so johnny begins fighting with the boys but their fight is broken up by uncle remus who scolds the two boys johnny runs off to comfort Ginny, and he explained that he does not want to go to his party either since his father won't be there oh yeah uh, and then Uncle Remus discovers both of them and cheers them up by telling the story of Briar Rabbit and his laughing place. And then he, the three return to the plantation. Johnny's mom becomes angry at Johnny for missing his own birthday party and tells Uncle Remus not to spend any more time with him. So basically, Johnny's mom is annoying. Yeah. She's like, I'm not really being a mother. But I am going to get really mad when you try to save my child or help him through his problems. You're the only one doing anything for my child, but stop. Oof. So Uncle Remus is sad because she misunderstood his good intention. So he packs his bags and leaves for Atlanta. So that's a, I guess that's an important uh, distinction of why it's not. He wasn't a slave. Sorry, I didn't word that very well. That's an important distinction. He's not a slave, so he can pack his bags and leave for Atlanta. So Johnny rushes to intercept him and is attacked by a bull. Oh. And is seriously injured after taking a shortcut through a pasture. So he's hovering between life and death. His his father returns and uh, he calls, it says Johnny calls for Uncle Remus, who is then escorted in by his grandmother. So he's he's hovering between life and death, so, but he can still call for Uncle Remus. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Remus begins telling a tale of Bray Rabbit and the Laughing Place, and the boy mi- miraculously survives. Think how dark this movie would be if he died. It's already pretty heavy stuff. I mean, Jenny's dress got dirty and her brothers are assholes. <laughs> yeah, so to- Johnny, Jenny, and Toby... This is the ending part. They're skipping along and singing while Johnny's return puppy runs alongside them, which is so cute. Uncle Remus is also in the vicinity and he's shocked when Br'er Rabbit and several other characters from his stories appear in front of them and interact with the children. And then it's revealed that he's on LSD and he's been feeding it to the kids this whole time. It's a real bummer that the kids never get to interact with Br'er Rabbit after that because they all go to rehab. But no, but so the ending part says Uncle Remus runs to join the group and they all skip away singing. 
big happy endings for all. Mm-hmm. Okay, I read this article. I'll just read a part of it because I think it's interesting. Song of the South fans often talk about the good intentions of the film and that it's a product of its time, but people had a problem with it when it first came out. So in 1946, there was a picket line outside Manhattan's Palace Theater where protesters carried signs that read, We fought for Uncle Sam, not Uncle Tom. And the Song of the South is slightly off-key because Disney says it's wrong to be free. The whole theme is that Johnny wanted to run away from his life on the plantation that he's dissatisfied with. And he's, like, being told all these stories and getting advice from from a black man where the moral of the story is, like, don't run away and be satisfied with your life and, like, don't involve yourself in problems that have nothing to do with you. And so it's kind of racially charged. Just stay here and everything's fine and happy here on the plantation. So that's kind of wild. Agreed. So I'm reading on ScreenCrush.com. It says, The problem isn't necessarily what Song of the South depicts, but what it chooses not to depict. Although Harris's Uncle Remus stories were set in Georgia after the Civil War, the words slave and slavery are never brought up. They strip any sense of politics, history, or ideology out of this setting to make it palatable to a mainstream audience. And then they also describe it as a plantation system that's been turned into a ludicrous utopia where blacks and whites live in harmony. A harmony where the only thing that's clear is that black people are inferior and servile to the white people, but are content to work in the fields anyway. Well, shit. All this is to say it probably wasn't intentional. Maybe some of it was, but it is problematic. So it's good that they locked it in a vault, in my opinion. Yeah, we don't give them a free pass. The Civil War has just ended. Slavery has just been abolished. It's so weird to choose to set a movie in that time period and just be like, everything's (laughs) hunky-dory. I'm trying to think of anything else I needed to add to it. Hattie McDaniel is in it as the role of Aunt Temp. Tempe and she was a an American stage actress. She's got she got an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Uh the and she got the first it was the first Academy Award won by an African American entertainer. Wow. She got the Academy Award for her role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind in nineteen thirty nine. Oh hell yeah. She's had she had four husbands in her life. Well get it, girl. Hattie, get down with your bad self. Wow. I have nothing else to add. Wait, before we go, how was dinner tonight at D's? It was good. How was dinner tonight in Virginia? It was also good. We ate a rotisserie chicken. Rotisserie chicken rules. It really does. We bought these peaches at this farmer's market place that is on the way home from Ohio, and then my mom made this peach cobbler tonight, and it was really good. Inside each of us are two Kevins, and one eats a rotisserie chicken and one eats (laughs) a peach cobbler, and they're both depressed. (laughs) Oh. People are going to be blown away by the story of two Kevins. This is this is a comedy writing workshop. 
There are no wrong answers and there are no bad ideas. We're just Hell brainstorming. Yeah. We're just spitballing. Um, I miss you and I uh, want you to come to Virginia and just sit I really by my will. Pool. I'm gonna look up flights right after I get off this phone call. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> Me too. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Have a great summer. Peace in the Middle East. I L Y. Say it back. What? That means I love you in internet slang, you bitch. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You said I L Y and I ignored you. <laughs> yeah. I L Y too. With the number two. Oh, okay. Now we can hang up. Bye. Bye. <laughs>